This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Michigan discussing the Grinder Cannibal. Then we'll talk about a teenager who vanished under mysterious circumstances. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Great Lakes State. 13 million. That's how many active monthly users there are worldwide on the LGBTQ plus dating platform Grinder. The average person spends nearly an hour a day scrolling through potential partners. Most users are between 17 and 34 years old. 72% of all those users have met up with someone they've met online in person. Grinder, like most online dating sites, is for those singles looking for a date, a partner, a confidence boost with just a swipe of the screen, or a hookup if that's what you're down for. No shame, we're all grown-ups here. It can be just as serious as you want it to be or don't want it to be. Some people find their soulmates online, the one they end up marrying and living happily ever after with. Other people find a wolf in sheep's clothing, a nightmare, the one who will end their life. Mark Latunsky attended Central Michigan University from 1987 to 1991, then transferred to Iowa State where he graduated with his master's in chemistry in 1995. So he was smart. Mm -hmm. He's definitely a science guy. In 2001, Mark married his girlfriend, Emily, and they bought a house together and eventually had four kids. Mark worked on the invention of environmentally safe ink. So he's really smart. (laughs) That sounds smart. (laughs) So they're living the American dream. Everything's perfect until 2010 when Mark was diagnosed with bouts of severe chronic depression with psychotic features. This included anxiety, adjustment disorders, paranoid schizophrenia, and borderline personality disorder. Man, that's a lot to deal with. And to for to manifest so late mm-hmm. in life is... Yeah, how old was he at this point? Not early 20s. No. Yeah. He had already graduated from college and yeah. was had a career, so I would say in his 30s. Yeah. i probably get to that later on in my story. <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so he was prescribed medicine, which helped him when he took it. But he right, yeah. but he rarely did. When he wasn't medicated, he would watch torture films <gasps> and horror movies. Sidebar, there's nothing wrong with watching horror films. I love them. And if torture is what freaks you out most, me. Hi. Lazy. <laughs> it's me. But it doesn't mean you're gonna act on it. So no. we're not sing you know, singling no. out anybody that is this is their jam. If you're mentally ill and watch Hostel, I don't think you're going to go torture people. Right. Like, that's, yeah. That's no. what I was going to say. Like, I've seen Hostel. It freaks me out. Saw, terrifying. 
where they're playing out torture scenes Ugh, yeah. doesn't mean you're going to act on it. Mm-hmm. He liked watching these. He talked to himself. He would stay out. And at one point, he claimed his son wasn't his and threatened to get rid of all the children's animals, which is awful. So in 2013, Emily divorces Mark. He barely sees his kids. He once claimed to DHS that Emily and her brother were trying to poison a drinking well behind his house and kill him. He kept them from leaving the house once. He once pretended to be unconscious at his father's house. He said his name was William Deem and that he had murdered Mark. So he's like having a psychotic break almost. It sounds like. I'm not a doctor by all means, but. So after the divorce is final, things get much worse for Mark. In 2019, all of his parental rights were terminated. He was fired from his job because he wasn't taking his medication and it was affecting his day-to-day life. Like he couldn't Mm -hmm. function on a healthy. He needed the meds. Yes. Yes. So in 2016, Mark marries a guy named Jamie Arnold that he had met on Grindr. So he switched teams or. Oh, it just took me a second. Yeah. He switched teams. Or maybe he'd always been by. Yeah. So Jamie moved into the family home that he had shared with Emily and the kids, but. He moved out in September of the same year. He said that Mark would bring other men home in hopes of a thruple or a threesome Mm -hmm. taking place. But he wasn't about that life and he was out. Hmm. He would later say that he never saw Mark take medication and was not aware of any mental illness. What? So either Mark was really good at disguising this from him or... That's a lot to disguise. Or he was... I mean, he lost his job. And children and wife. And children through DHS and all that. It's... Yeah. Mark also made some bizarre statements to him about his family not really being his family and his kids not belonging to him. So... And there was something else about him being a Viking from, like, Scandinavia or somewhere. It just got very bizarre. I'm like, sir... This is Mark? Mark is telling his husband, Uh Jamie, all this. And Jamie's like, there's something going on. Sir, that is the mental illness coming out. For you to say, I never saw him act weird. He's literally telling you nonsensical facts. Yeah. So in October of 2019, Mark meets a guy at a bus stop. This man was from New York and was on a business trip. They begin flirting. When the guy goes and gets into Mark's car to go grab a drink. That's the last thing the man remembers. He wakes up in Mark's basement. Tied with a leather strap around his ankle, which was attached to a chain. He was able to get free and grabbed a butcher knife and ran out. He had a cell phone. He calls 911 and reports that he has been kidnapped and he needs the police. So this man is on this 911 call and is telling the 911 operator, I just want to go home. Please just send somebody to get me. I don't want to press charges. I don't want this in the court systems. I just want to go home. He did something with the court system. Like that was his job. Uh, So which maybe is why he didn't want it to kind of. He wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. 
all of his business out. That's what he had flown to Detroit for. And I listened to this 911 call, you can, on YouTube, and it is horrifying. <sighs> this poor man is so polite to this 911 operator, but he's terrified. Right. But he's just, oh, God. he's very respectful. He's very, please just send somebody. And when she'd ask him a question, he'd say, yes, ma'am. And he would answer her. He just kept repeating, I don't want to press charges. Just get get the police. He says the relationship between the two men was consensual. There was nothing the police could do then once they got there. There was no investigation, no arrest, no charges, nothing. And then later on, there are reports that this same man was later seen at Mark's house multiple times. Hmm. Sometimes just for a night, other times for a few days. So in November of the same year, another man wakes up in Mark's basement. He too escapes, calls 911. I listen to this call too, and the man is telling them, I'm trying to escape a creepy guy who had me chained in his basement. This man is lost. He doesn't know where he is. He's telling the police he's, he's after me. And you can hear him, this man, running and saying, help me, help me. I mean, it's oh. scary. Well, where's Jamie in all of this? He's divorced and moved out. Oh, okay. Yeah, he moved out in September. So the first man that called 911 is in October. Got it. This dude is in November. So it's literally months after Jamie's like, fuck this dude, I'm out. So they tell him the police are on their way and to get somewhere safe. He runs up to a house and finds someone, but they won't give him their address. He's asking them, what's your address? I need to tell them so the police can get here. He tells them, I'm at a white house across from a barn, which is instructions and directions that I would give. I don't know. I'm in a blue house. Yeah. Because he's lost. He doesn't fucking yeah. know. So this 911 call gives me so much anxiety because... He's told you 92 times. He doesn't know where he is. Why do you keep asking him, sir, we need your address? Like, can't you see it on my phone? Can you not track me? I mean, can you not? So, which I get it. I'm not blaming the 911 operators. So. Run to a street sign. But also, what would you do? If you were home alone, you just had this happen last week. Oh, God. When somebody, that man came to your house and it was 10 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and he's. Like, what would you do? Would you open the door and help them? No. If they're on the phone screaming, I need your address, I mean. I would call police. Right. But it just, it makes you go, fuck, what would I do? So you, in one way, you're kind of aggravated at this dude for not helping him. But in the other hand, you're like. I'd wake Sam up, one. Then I would call police and say, there's this guy out here. He's saying he's on the phone with police. Is that true? Yeah. I don't know. Just call police. So, I would like to think I would help him, but I don't want to get Texas Chainsaw Massacred either. So, he finally gets the address. State troopers pull up, call ins. Neighbors later come forward and say they saw a man running with a bloody rag on his mouth and a leather kilt. Mm. Mark was chasing this man the whole time. So, he was after him. He ran up. When the police arrived, telling the police, I just want my kilt that he's wearing back. That's why I was chasing him. 
Yes. And once again, this man does not press charges. Oh, man. He leaves with Mark. No. And goes back to his house. Why? I I don't know. So So in December. Okay, so this is October 1st, dude. Second man, November. This is December. Mark meets a guy named Kevin on Grindr. I've mentioned Grindr in the thing, the opening. It's the dating website. So he meets him on there. If you don't know what it is, it's a, you know, it's an app based on location towards. It's like Tinder. Yeah, it's like Tinder for, but it's for homosexual or transgender or bisexual, the queer community. Very common. I know several people on this app. Some that probably shouldn't be. So I'm not going to mention any names. Truth. <laughs> so Kevin was living in Schwartz Creek, Michigan, and he worked as a hairdresser. He was obsessed with Jeffree Star, wanted to be just like him, had several Jeffree Star tattoos. He was attending college, and he was, like, the best friend anybody could have. So he and Mark agreed to meet on Christmas Eve. Hmm. He told his roommate, Michelle, all about this being their first date. So he leaves the house, heads to meet Mark. He does not show up for Christmas breakfast. And no one can reach him on his cell phone. Oh, no. His friends and family report him missing, and they find his car in a Dollar General parking lot with all of his belongings inside, including a cell phone. When they search it, the cell phone, they find the Grinder app and find Mark's name and address, which is the last person he talks to. So they go to his house. They have a search warrant. Um, They enter the home and find Kevin's body in the basement in a secret room that Mark had built. His body was hanging upside down from the rafters. Mark would go on to confess that he stabbed Kevin in the back, then slit his throat before hanging him by his feet from the ceiling. Mark cut off Kevin's testicles and ate them. Oh, oh man. A girl shared Kevin's story with Jeffree Star, and he shared it to his Twitter account. He also donated $20,000 to the GoFundMe account started by Kevin's sister to help cover funeral and other expenses. Wow. Kevin Bacon, the actor, was also made aware of this story and donated money. So this guy's name was Kevin Bacon. I didn't want to take away from the story by saying his name was literally Kevin Bacon, but yeah, I've heard about this case before once. I think it was on True Crime Daily. It's been a long time, but I mistakenly got the names mixed up, so I didn't recognize Mark as the killer yeah. this whole time. Mark's the killer. Oh, my Kevin's gosh. Kevin's the guy he met on Grinder. So Mark is arrested and had an evaluation to see if he was even competent to stand trial, which he wasn't. He had received treatment before. He had to receive treatment before he could stand trial, which included counseling, medication, and them to assess him. (sighs) When he goes before the judge, he claimed he was someone altogether. He said that Mark was his nephew. That wasn't who he was. So, again, he's, it's almost like he's got multiple personalities. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying he does. Don't take it and run with that, listeners. But, yeah, it seems, anyways. So during the trial, Michigan police tell the court what they saw when they arrived at Mark's house that day. 
There was a secret room. Kevin's body was mutilated. The room was full of chains and sex toys. Kevin was hanging by his feet with an opening underneath him, like on the floor. The police went on to say that Mark told them Kevin was suicidal. And he wanted Mark to help him disappear. He said the topic came up as they were lying in bed together talking about life. So he stabs Kevin. But when he notices he wasn't dead, he slits his throat. Mark sees the moon. It was a new moon, which mean, you know, means stuff to some people. He says he usually eats Rocky Mountain oysters during the new moon. But instead of eating the one in the freezer, he just ate Kevin's. Oh my gosh. Mark takes pictures of all of this and it was put into evidence. Oh God. The skillet that he cooked them in was taken in and sent to forensics. It had Kevin's DNA inside. Mark's DNA was found on the handle. A knife found at the scene had Kevin's DNA on the blade and Mark's on the handle. Mark's defense attorney said that Mark was just helping Kevin carry out a suicide. Stop. No. Mm -mm. But the grander messages between the two, Kevin is just, he keeps on reiterating, he just wants to make sure he's safe after (sighs) they hook up. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like they were both into some kinky stuff, which good for them. But Kevin didn't want to be killed. Like that wasn't part of a kink. So Mark stood by his plea of not guilty, but during the trial, prosecutors said Mark was planning to buy a dehydrator and make jerky out of Kevin's muscles. He went on to say he never intentionally wanted to kill Kevin. Wait, what did you think was going to happen? Ugh. What did you think? If you cut someone's throat, they're going to die. Yeah. Mm-mm. So Mark is found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Kevin's parents and sister made impact statements. Wow. But they didn't read them. They had friends read them. How? I mean, sometimes I don't know how people can read them. No. Oh, my gosh. That's... Jamie. And on Christmas Eve. I mean, it's always going to be so bad. But, like, man... So Jamie, Mark's ex-husband, would go on to say he never in a million years would have thought he was capable of these things that he's accused of. So that's the case of the grinder cannibal. I, going back to the impact statement, I, there's no way that I could be there. Here I go getting choked up and look at the person who not only murdered my child, but desecrated his body. I mean, it's awful. I would just be it's screaming awful. at them. Pro- I don't, I mean, I, I don't many, even know. How like, many, you'd have to arrest yes. me. I was going to say, how many courtroom videos have you seen where people lunge at the And accused? I can't blame them. I, I can't blame I them. I can't either. Mm-hmm. And I had to look this up because I wasn't sure why he wasn't charged with cannibalism along with first degree. But there are no laws in the United States against cannibalism. There are laws that make it impossible for you to legally buy and consume human meat. But say I killed myself and I told you, you can eat me after I die. 
you can be charged with desecration of a corpse, but not with, quote unquote, cannibalism. Okay. Ugh. Right? But you remember that case? I think it was in Germany. And one of us may have covered it on Wacky. Maybe not. I know what you're talking about. It was like on Craigslist or something. Yes, he met someone on a cannibal fetish website and consents to being killed and eaten. And the guy killed him, butchered him, froze his body to eat later. And it was months before he was arrested. But he wasn't charged with cannibalism. He was charged with manslaughter. Oh, my gosh. So. Well, what's weird is they didn't go... They didn't, he didn't do a plea of insanity to me. Like what's, why, I guess he was. Well, he was. He was fit to stand trial, Well, obviously. they went through all the, they went through, he had to go through mm-hmm. the whole mess of stuff before he could. So even, he did, do, he yes. did do a lot of testing. He and had stuff, to do all the yeah. testing and be on medication, all that to, before he could even be, see if he could stand trial. I guess that's, yeah. I mean, it seems like he had a lot going on, but technically you can still have mental illness and know at the time what you're doing is bad and wrong and you shouldn't do it and you're still technically culpable yeah exactly yeah because like some people truly don't know what they're doing right but that's more rare i mean usually or they're schizophrenic or they're having some kind of psychotic break or you know what i mean yeah or they think that they're actually doing this It's going to be a positive thing. Way more people know what they're doing, which is, ugh. I know. It's awful. It's it's terrible. I know all that we always say that. Man, that one really is. Ugh. Well, let's take a break. Switching gears from that, let me tell you about my case. And obviously, I'm just getting over a cold because... My throat sounds terrible. But you sound... I'm sorry. Like you're about to sing Total Eclipse of the Heart. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, you sound sexy. Oh, well, good. That's, I've never been told I sounded sexy well, before. clearly you're doing something right because you're with child. Oh. <laughs> so, Andrea Michelle Bowman was born on June 23rd, 1974 in New Orleans. But she was actually born with the name Alexis Miranda Badger. But she was placed up for adoption at nine months old. She was adopted at 21 months old by the Bowman family in Hamilton, Michigan. How do you have a baby for nine months and then decide, this just isn't for me? I'm not knocking anyone who does that. I think adoption's a wonderful thing. Yeah, that would be hard. It would be hard, I would think. I didn't look into the specifics of why, why she placed her. Well, that's what was my question because my case that I covered was it last last week. It was the same thing. The the mother put the baby up for adoption when she was about eight or nine months old mm-hmm. because of the abuse in the home. Yeah, I mean, it could be something like that. It could be financial. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. but that would be hard. I mean. It would be hard doing it right away, too. But, yeah, when you had, I don't think when it, would you had it, correct, yeah. Yeah, she was in foster care in between nine months and 21 months. So she was raised by her adoptive father, Dennis Bowman, and mother, Brenda. In late 1988, Andrea raised some concerns at her high school when she expressed fearfulness of going home from school. 
No. I know. No, it's, it sucks. It's like it's already awful. She's been adopted, and your adoptive parents aren't great. I know. So the school took this seriously, which is great for the, eight, the late 80s. And they contacted the police who ended up interviewing Andrea. She revealed to them that her father, Dennis, was molesting her. And I don't know how things are handled like this today, but a social worker went to her home and confronted Dennis and Brenda about the molesting. I wouldn't think that that's how it's handled. I would, I mean, I would think the police would be like, listen here, Jacko. That's come with dangerous, us. right? And they, of course, denied the allegations. Well, sure. They explained that since she was adopted, she just found out she was adopted, allegedly. And since then, she'd been more rebellious than usual. So, at that point, they kind of sided with the parents. But I'm like, of course they're going to deny that. Anyone would. Even if it's not true. You're, I mean, you're always going to deny it. Sure. But like, just, I don't know. I feel like that puts the kid in danger. I don't know how it's handled. I'm not a social worker, but that just seems so... Like, that girl's going to sleep that night in that house. And you know when they leave. Yes. Ugh. Well, after this, the Bowmans moved to a mobile home in a more rural area of Allegan County. So, of course, you know. Now they're they're isolating her. On March 11th, 1989, she disappeared from her home. Dennis was the one who contacted police and said she had stolen $100 from his dresser, and had taken some of his belongings. Dennis explained that she was a troubled teen and often fought with Brenda and had run away to a friend's house in the past. This time, she was classified as an endangered runaway. Then, almost as quickly as they moved here, the Bowman family moved out. So they moved again, which is an odd thing to do if your child goes missing. Yeah. Not, I mean, people can move on in their own ways or grieve, but moving out of that house, like, almost immediately, you want to be where your child is going to come home? I don't know. And this is the age without cell phones. How would she know you moved? Mm -hmm. To me, that's just red flag city. Doesn't add up. After Andrea's disappearance, Dennis said he would call around to her friends to see if anyone had seen her. Then, Brenda took over as the family's point of contact. Brenda made several calls to police claiming that people had cited her, but this was never corroborated by anyone other than Brenda. She would basically say, so-and-so called me and said they saw her again today or whatever, and then she would call police. And then, in October, Brenda said a friend saw Andrea pregnant with dyed hair at a local grocery store. The police looked into it and found nothing. No proof that the friend actually saw her. And Brenda also told police, hey, by the way, she stole $150, not $100. Oh, what? that's irrelevant. It seems irrelevant. And I don't know if she knows this or not, or knew this or not, but this is enough for police to issue a warrant for Andrea's arrest for larceny. So $100 wasn't enough, but $150, you're in trouble. Fifteen months before Andrea's disappearance, Brenda gave birth to a daughter named Vanessa. So during all of this, there's basically a baby, toddler in the mix. Mm-mm. So Andrea was no longer an only child. In fact, she was more like a third parent to Vanessa. 
On the weekends, instead of hanging out with her friends, she had to stay home and change diapers and clean bottles. Some people just assumed she was sick of being a nanny and then up and left. Years passed, but Andrea remained forever 14. With no other leads, the police decided to look into Dennis Bowman. They had no evidence at all that he was involved in foul play, but they found something very suspicious in his criminal record. In 1980, a woman had claimed he'd tried to lure her into a wooded area in western Michigan. Then he assaulted her. Dennis had threatened to, quote, blow a hole right through her if she didn't listen to his commands. Oh my god. He pleaded guilty to the assault with intent to commit criminal sexual conduct and worked a deal with the prosecutors. The case spanned over two years. When Andrea had gone missing, he had still been on parole for the attack. That's a pretty big red flag for police. I know I keep seeing red, saying red flag. No, but, like, but yeah. Yeah, look into this guy. Brenda stood by Dennis then, just like she did when Andrea went missing, and again in 1998. So, almost 10 years after Andrea went missing, Dennis was arrested for breaking and entering. After he broke into his co-worker's home in Ottawa County, he was attempting to steal various items, including women's lingerie. Gross. During his sentencing, Dennis Bowman read a letter to the judge, which made mention of Andrea. He said, I'm the father of two lovely daughters, one 25 and the other 11, and feel that being a parent is one of the most important and sobering things a person can undertake. He made no mention of her being missing or anything like that. That would be the first thing you would yeah. think that you would... He just kind of alluded to like, these are my two daughters. Just, I don't know. A year later, on July 21st, 1999, the body of a young teen girl was found in a Wisconsin cornfield. At least they thought it was a teen girl. At first, the police thought this was Andrea because they looked very similar. But DNA proved it was actually 23-year-old Peggy Johnson. So it wasn't her. Correct. It wasn't her. Just she looked similar, but didn't have the same DNA. A couple of detectives were still suspicious of Dennis, and they thought that he was a serial predator. And they were not wrong. In November 2019, 70-year-old Dennis Bowman was arrested in the murder of Kathleen Doyle. She had been murdered on September 11, 1980, in Norfolk, Virginia. 25-year-old Kathleen Doyle had been the daughter of a naval officer and recently married a Navy pilot. She was murdered in her own home while her husband was deployed. Oh, my God. She had been stabbed in her home and then choked with a cord. Based on forensic evidence, Dennis was linked to the murder, and he was a member of the United States Navy Reserves at this time, which is why he was in Virginia. Unfortunately, Kathleen's father died in 2016, just a few years before Dennis Bowman was arrested. And he spent the rest of his life wondering what happened. So when Dennis was arrested at his home in November 2019, the authorities deployed a state police bomb squad robot, which sounds heavy duty. No kidding. As well as Western Michigan University's forensic anthropology 
response unit, and they started digging up the property. Dennis Bowman was extradited to Virginia in February 2020 for the Kathleen Doyle murder. And while he was still behind bars waiting for Kathleen's murder trial, he confessed to police that he had murdered his adopted daughter, Andrea. He had confessed to her murder, hoping that the confession would keep him from being imprisoned in Virginia. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so it was like, please, I'll confess (sighs) to this. Dennis Bowman would be sent back to Virginia to face the charges and then sent back to Michigan to stand trial in Andrea Bowman's murder. A few days after he confessed, the authorities received a tip about the location of her remains. They found her skeleton buried under a cement slab. Her remains had been found at 3200 block of 136th Avenue in Monterey Township in Dennis's backyard. The investigators stated that it could take a couple of weeks before they could possibly identify the remains because they were, it was just a skeleton. And finally, they were able to prove it was her. And this is so awful. But when Brenda testified about Dennis's confession, Brenda just went on and on about what a bad kid Andrea was. So what? It doesn't mean she deserves to be murdered. I know. She just could not stop defending her husband. She called her difficult, rebellious, said she always had trouble finishing her homework. That's every 14-year-old. That's that's every kid. (sighs) Just awful. She stated that when Andrea had come forward with the molestation allegations against Dennis, Brenda didn't believe her. The day she went missing, Brenda was at work and Dennis was allegedly visiting family. And she just believed him. Brenda claimed she only discovered the truth about her murder in 2019 when Dennis was arrested for Kathleen's murder and he told her. Oh my God. Yeah. Dennis told Brenda he'd gotten into an argument with Andrea and that he'd slapped her. That doesn't kill you. No. Then she fell down the stairs, which Mm -hmm. resulted in her death. Mm -hmm. Then he said, I buried her in the backyard. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Just heartless. And even after this, Brenda maintained contact with her husband. No. That's your child, too. What is wrong with you? Dennis told Brenda that as soon as they moved from the mobile home, he had also moved Andrea's body. He had dismembered her and put her body in multiple plastic bags, and he buried the bags with regular household garbage and put all of that in a large cylinder-like container, like one of those big burn. Yeah. Yeah. Like a burn barrel type thing. When the police dug this up, the container itself had disintegrated. Earlier that day, Dennis confessed to police that he'd thrown out her body in the neighbor's trash, so he lied. He also said the day he murdered her, she had packed a bag to leave home, and she allegedly said that she would tell everyone what he had done to her. So, likely, if she was threatening, he didn't, he wanted to keep her quiet. Her cause of death is unspecified. Oh, God. Because it's just skeletal remains. Yeah. Yeah. But Dennis admitted to using a machete and knife to cut up her body. How could you just. Chop your child up that you've had since they were a baby. Yeah. Like it was nothing. Just 21 months old, you've raised her for 14 years. Like, mm mm. And 14 is so young. Yeah, it is. It's very young. On May 15th, 2020, Dennis Bowman was charged with Andrea Bowman's murder. 
Dennis pleaded guilty to the murder of Kathleen Doyle and was sentenced to two life sentences. On December 22, 2021, Dennis pleaded no contest to second-degree murder for killing Andrea. He was given an extra 35 to 50 years for his prison sentence, so, I mean, he's old, he's going to die in prison, but he wasn't brought to justice until he was in his freaking 70s. He could have been responsible for a lot more murders, Mm -hmm. too. I mean, these are from the 80s, just saying. And my sources were from Medium, Oxygen, and Atavist Magazine. Just terrible. These were brutal cases. This was... This was a lot. Yeah. Okay, we have to talk about this nursing student. Oh, I knew you were going to mention it. I don't know enough about it, so I'm like, well, lucky you. Give I me have the lowdown. Low Give me the lowdown. Which I just, I mean, there was literally things rolling in today as I was kind of doing a little bit of research on my lunch break. Just, it started out as such a creepy little story, and then it escalated into a like, And I knew, I knew, I know that sounds awful. But I knew shit was not adding up immediately. So if you don't know what we're talking about, um, a 911 call was made by a nursing student in Alabama named Carly Russell. And she reported a male toddler wearing a diaper. She says she's on her way home from her job at Woodhouse Day Spa in Summit. And she'd stopped to get food. She was about 10 minutes from her house. This is the only report of the toddler that was made to 911. Carly then stops to check on the child and calls her family member. Family tells investigators that they lost contact with her, but the phone line remained open. So I'm going to stop you right there. 911 doesn't hang up with you. Right. They will stay on that that line Mm -hmm. until you hang up. You hang up when police are there. Are the mm-hmm. police there? At least almost, I would say, 99% of the 911 calls that I've listened yeah. to in doing this, we have listened to a lot. Mm-hmm. Or even watching TV shows like on ID, Dateline, that have the 911 recordings, they stay on the phone with you. They do not hang up. And if you hang up, they call you right back. Mm-hmm. So at 1044 Saturday night, Police say they received a call that Russell had returned home on foot. She walked home. She walked home. They said she had a small cut on her lip, a tear in her shirt, and a hundred dollars and some change in her pocket. Or not her pocket, in her sock. Like cash in her sock. Police responded to the scene to investigate, and the Hoover Fire and Medics responded and assessed and transported her to the hospital for eval. Carly's mother posted on Facebook on Sunday saying that God is faithful and he has answered our prayers. The family is asking for privacy at this time and plans to speak in the near future, according to their Facebook post. Police did obtain traffic camera footage, and it's being analyzed they also are going off the 911 call, kind of trying to determine a time frame. Yeah. So all of this is now you can see this video from the like the highway patrol. So you can see this video of her car 
and you see it pulling over with its flashers on way ahead of where the child is reportedly walking. And, which is too far away. This is all my opinion. This is all my opinion. Let me say this. Sure. I haven't seen it, so. So, way far from where you, you could tell, A, there was someone walking in the dark. Right. B, that it is a male child. If they're only in a diaper, how can you determine the sex of the child? Maybe it was just a guesstimate. But why would you not? Was holding a sign that said, I'm a boy. I'm a, I'm a boy, yes. No, I and don't a stick know. and a bandana because yeah, he's away from home. So she then gets out of the car and walks around to the passenger side and then just disappears. Then you, she doesn't come That's back. That's when she walks home. No, this is the day that she reported the 911 call. Oh. Yes, this is the call. She's calling, flashers on. She's turn, She's getting off the side of the interstate goes a little mm-hmm. ways and then stops and gets out of the car and turn like then walks around to the side of like the passenger side of the car. Got it. There's no toddler in the film. Mm-hmm. Like you can't see anyone walking, which you couldn't because it's way too far away. You can't even see really what type of car she's driving. Um, also, the phone line is open. So she hangs up with Nama one and calls someone in her family. They, the phone line's open. She's not on it anymore. They think that maybe this is when she got taken, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But there's no scream. You don't hear anything on that phone. Any, and I'm not saying that you would necessarily, but you would think there would be a muffle, a rustle, something that you would hear, a scuffle, something. Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't. But I'm just speculating. Does she not return to her car? No. That's when she just walks off. They did find her car and the police show up literally within minutes. So it was where she left it. Car's the car there. Was. Her stuff's in the car. Her wig. I mean, like her phone, her AirPods, her purse, everything's in the car. Hmm. So this tells me, A, someone else is involved. If she was not, and I'm not saying she was or wasn't. But if she wasn't kidnapped, like she's alleging, someone else is involved. Because somebody had to pick her up. How far would it have been to walk? To her house? Mm-hmm. Um, when she called 911, she said she's about 10 minutes from her house. So 10 minutes for you would be where? Like North Little Rock? I guess if you're talking about walking, though. Well, she was talking about she's in her car. Oh, driving. Yeah, yeah. driving would be North Little Rock. Like North so Little Rock. it would take me about... 20, 25 minutes, depending on what, well, I guess, depending on Are you saying to walk? Yeah. Bitch, you're not walking to North Little Rock in 20, I'm going to time you, go. I'm thinking of the (laughs) condo, I'm not thinking of here, you're right. Even there, I wouldn't think you could get I'm thinking of like Dickie Stevens, it it took us, that's. I'm I'm thinking about like Target. 45 minutes? I'm thinking Target. An hour? I would think walking is a lot different than driving. I've never done it and I never freaking will, so I don't want to know. Either way. Someone had to have picked her up and took her somewhere because she didn't come home for like 49 hours. She was missing. Oh, okay. I didn't know what the gap was. I thought it was like 40, she walked home no, immediately. 49 hours. She's missing. It wouldn't take me that long to get to North Little Rock, by the way. So there is reward money. $63,000 was yeah. raised by Crime Stoppers. Wow. And they said they're holding on to it. At this, you know, at this time, instead of returning it to those who donated it, 
I don't necessarily agree with that. I feel like you should return it to them. But now the Birmingham Board of Realtors put up 25000 and an anonymous donor gave 20000 and they've had their money returned. But, and Crime Stoppers gave 5000 But other donors, a total combined amount of $13,378 is still, Crime Stoppers still has it. Yeah. And they're not returning it to those donors yet. Because the investigation is still ongoing to find out. That might out, be a legality too. It could be. They're trying Just, to figure out what happened. Yeah. A GoFundMe account was set up for her and was taken down on Monday. And all mm. money was returned to people who donated. Wow. So Carly tells the cops on Monday that a man came out of the woods and told her he was checking on the baby and then forced her over the fence and into a car. Next thing she knows, she's in a trailer of a truck with a man with orange hair and a woman, and she could hear a baby crying. She says they took her to a house, took photos of her without any clothes on, and she was able to escape and ran home through the woods. So, which tells me the house has to be close if this is what happened. Right. So, the police say they cannot verify any details of what she's saying. Um, they corroborated that she did go to Target. She told them that on Alma 1 to get food. So she got snacks at Target, found the receipt. They were not in the car. Uh, Secret Service and police um, searched her history on her phone and her work computer, and they've analyzed that, and she did Google exactly that face, Lacey. She Googled the movie Taken, the maximum age of Amber Alerts, if and who pays for Amber Alerts, how to take money from a cash register without getting caught, and one-way ticket from Birmingham to Nashville. So, this does not look good. There is still an ongoing investigation into this. Yeah, that's not good. Every day it's it's something new. very specific. Because we look up, I'm saying, we look up a ton of stuff. It's very bad, but like... You told me you looked up buttholes earlier. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know it was going to show buttholes, to be clear. But I don't have specific things like... Only buttholes. (laughs) (laughs) Butthole adjacent things. (laughs) Oh, God. No, like how to leave Little Rock and get somewhere without being caught. or And then I go missing. Like a crime And then you're like, what the hell? Yeah. I don't know. No, that is very. It's too coincidental Mm. for me. It could be. That'd be like if if somebody died and your search history was like how to make poison out of blackberry bushes. I mean, come on. Very specific. Yeah. The Amber Alert thing, was she wondering for a kid or for herself? Did she not realize it was (sighs) a child thing? I don't know. Since she alleged that she found a child walking, maybe that's why she looked that up to see if they, I I don't know. We're speculating. And why'd she go back home? Well, because she got free and ran home. I don't know. I'm hoping this is going to sound awful. I'm really hoping she made this up in a way because that's horrifying if she actually went through that. And also, there's a child allegedly involved. Where's this kid? Hopefully it's not not real because that's worse, obviously. 
And also, I'm going to sprinkle this little ditty in there. We have talked about this so many times on here. We spoke about it whenever we went to the True Crime Fest. Women of color, indigenous women, Mm -hmm. children of color, indigenous children. Um, I hate this term, but, you know, immigrants, illegal immigrants, Mm -hmm. so underreported in the fucking media. Yeah. If she did this when this was nationwide news. Not great. This is not good. Hopefully it doesn't do I mean I know she, what you're if saying. she is lying, hopefully no damage is done in the future in terms of Is this another hoax? Or is this Birmingham. Well, let's say it happens again. In Birmingham, Birmingham. no one's gonna believe you. Oh, it's like the little yeah. boy that cried wolf. And it's just it's not I was talking to a girl that I work with, Asia, today about this and because she listens and we talked about, you know, things like this before. And she actually brought it up to me and, you know, she, she is a black woman and she was telling me about, you know, she brought it up to me as far as we get, you know, I'm paraphrasing, we get the shaft so much. It's underreported. It's not taken serious. It doesn't make nationwide news because they're not Gabby Petito. No -hmm. offense. I'm not, I'm just the first person that popped in my mind. They're not the Jean Benet Ramsey's. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's true and it's fucking sad. So if this, it's infuriating to me. Yeah. It's not funny. It's It's not not funny. It's not a game. If you wanted attention, get, get a tattoo on your neck. I don't know what to I tell hope you. She's not trying to escape an abusive situation. I mean, that is true. Something could be going it on to where be. she's like, "I." You are very right, but and I'm not. I don't know. We don't know. I'm, we don't know, and I want to be very clear and say I'm not victim blaming. No, because she don't is know. a victim. We don't know. We do not know. Yeah. but it's just things are. Hopefully, popping. that's. Ugh. I know. I know. Ho- you don't want to say hopefully that's what it is because it's both ways. It's like I hope I don't. I hope it didn't happen to her because that's awful. awful. And then there's people on the loose. There's a child. Yada yada. Yeah. But if it's the opposite and she's making it up, then that's awful too. That's right. Like, I don't know, man. Man, there's some weird stuff going on. Lately. It's like the wacky we had about faking your own. I mean, yes. we were laughing about that, like oh ha ha ha. But like, if there's, it's look, not funny. It's not. It's it's not funny. And if there's a nationwide search looking out for you and your parents and her, she had a boyfriend. I could not imagine as a mother. No. Awful. Awful. Mm-mm. Anyways, yeah, I don't know if we're just more aware of all the weird shit going on lately, but it really kind of makes you, like, not want to help anyone. I mean, if you have never listened to the podcast, Let's Not Meet, have you ever listened oh, to it? Oh, yeah, I listen to that Love all the time. It. So do I. They talk about stories like this all the time where they stop to help somebody or so somebody comes weird. up asking for help on the highway or the side of the road. That has to be one of the scariest things I would think to encounter is to be driving along and you see something at night. I'm not stopping. Sorry. I'm not stopping. No. I'll call the police, but I can't help you. I won't either. I can't help you. I'm not a stopper. I'm sorry. Anyways. I'm the same way. I'll call the police, but I'm not not going to stop because of all these things. Yes. Well, you can't stop now because you're pregnant. My mother-in-law, man, she's probably, I'm not going to say all the times, but she's picked up a lot of people on the side of the road when she's by herself. 
She believes in the good of humans. And my sister-in-law, not the one that listens to this, obviously, because she wouldn't be. um, My sister-in-law's done it while she was alone, and the guy was carrying a hammer on the side of the road. Oh, Jesus. And she – I cannot. We need – I cannot. And I kind of envy that where it's like I'm not that person that just trusts that someone's not going to murder me. I assume they're going to murder me. Always. Like, there's something sweet about that. But at the same time, I'm like, you cannot do that. No. You cannot do you that. Can't, you can't. You're going to get killed. I know it's worked out in the past. It just takes one time. Oh, that's it. It's, mm Anyways. I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah, because we'll see. Every what, day. What's going on? Maybe it's a mental break. Could be. Maybe. Who knows? It's very sad either way. Yeah, it is. Well, on the bright side, we have a couple of new patrons. We awesome. had a dry spell. We did have a dry spell. I'm sick of y'all. And no, I'm playing. <laughs> well, this is even more exciting. Well, it's a guy. At least I think so. Jacob H. from Alabama. Very cool. Thanks for joining, Jacob. Sorry we just dogged out somebody from Alabama. Well, sorry. It's not personal. And I'm glad my pregnancy chatter about all my problems has not deterred you. He's the one and only. I'm like, oh my God, a dude is here willing to listen to more. Very, very cool. And Thanks. Thank you. And we have Lexi from Massachusetts. Awesome. Thank you, Lexi. Welcome, welcome. Very exciting. And we'll mail you guys some stickers and get your pins on our map ASAP. They're not there yet. So now Alabama will have a friend. There'll be two Alabamans Very on our map. Two two Alabamans. I know some people in Alabama. I'm going to need y'all to join our patron. Join our patron. <laughs> we just had a fun episode. Well, I'm not going to say fun. About resort nightmares. Nightmares. I'm like, I'm going to say disasters. But it's interesting. We have fun facts on those. Places not to go and ways to stay safe, tips. And we have another one, one coming next month. One Every more. month, month Every after month. month, we give you an episode. Keep coming back. So I'm delirious. What else you got? Thoughts on the Miranda Lambert selfie gate. Did you see that? I did. And? And I'm not going to lie. I haven't like fully watched the videos and stuff, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to need you to get your life together. I paid a lot of money. I'm not going to specify how much to get Taylor Swift tickets. And I wasn't near as close as these girls were. If I was that close to Taylor Swift, I would absolutely have gotten that picture. I'm just saying. I'm going to play the devil's advocate here because I am a huge Miranda Lambert. No, no. I watched other videos. I, I suggest you do that. Yeah. From other concert goers that mm-hmm. took videos of how these women, these weren't girls, these were grown mm-hmm. ass women, were behaving. They were upfront, and this went on for a while. I'm not saying it went on for 10 minutes, but it wasn't just, we're going to take one selfie. It was multiple, multiple flash. Miranda Lambert's right behind them trying to sing, and you are six people wide. Why were they using a flash? I mean... So, from maybe what I gather, the lighting, they said, because one of them released a statement, was like, well, we had to do it when it started because the lighting was off. They wanted her behind them. Yeah. Well, I, saw, I, the, I saw the photo, like how she's in, yes. in there. And that's cute. It is cute. But the flashing. Also, don't use flash. You're being disrespectful to her. And I'm just going to say this also. I get that you paid the money and you have just as much right to take a picture. They're up there. Essentially to entertain you. I get that. 
However, so did all those other people that are around you. Yeah. And you're disturbing them too. And it's obnoxious and it's entitlement and it fucking irritates me. Since we are both public speakers now, Lacey. <laughs> I wouldn't go. No. How would you have felt? I'm just saying. Not that we're anywhere near Miranda Lambert. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> if we were up there doing our, we we talked about a whole case. We're up there talking. If there was a group of women in the front that kept snapping pictures while we're trying to talk to the yeah, other I'd probably be annoyed. Of course. I would I would pull a Miranda. You know me. I would have stopped and been like, are you finished? Can we go say, on? To be a devil's advocate to the devil's advocate. Oh. I will say, though, like at concerts, everyone's taking photos like sure. the whole freaking time. And I will say, I don't think you should use flashes. That's maybe once. For anything, but right. don't keep doing flashes. Right. My eyes are sensitive. Oh, God. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, Taylor wasn't spitting out lasers, you know. But I'm taking photos to everyone around. We're taking TikToks and videos, like singing and all that. But I will agree that when you're right in front of her, you're, in the very you're front. moving crowds, you're yes. corralling people, you're using flash. Like, I think the flash being on was a big problem. Even if the flesh wouldn't have been That probably on, got her attention. Like, that helped get her attention it, probably. It I don't know. It was just – it was disrespectful. I, I agree with her. I can see why they were like, well, we can take pictures if we want to. I get that too, but you're also being disrespectful to her. Do it quickly and be done. Do it quickly That's and my be done. Thing. You can take yourself take your picture, but do it quickly. Be done. Don't use flash. This is not a crime, by the way. We just no, wanted to throw, <laughs> throw it in there. So – on, speaking of concerts, no. I'm going to see oh, Shania yeah. Twain tomorrow night. That's exciting. I know. We're going to have heat strokes. Hopefully not. Oh. It's in Dallas. It's that don't out. impress me much. Me either. It's <laughs> outside. Oh. It's 103 degrees there tomorrow. She's going to melt. I'm going to fucking melt. Oof. I'll tell you what. I won't be taking any selfies. Aren't you going to see Dixie Chicks this weekend too? Yeah, I'm going to see the chicks at whatever the oh, stadium. Oh, the chicks. Yeah, I'm they've, sorry. they've renamed it. Oh, whoops. But, um. Beep. They're going to be at the whatever the stadium's called now inside. Don't. One of those banks. Don't be in the front. I'm not. I don't know where I am. My yeah. friend bought the tickets. At least it's air conditioning. Oh, thank God. I would. This pregnant body could not be outside. I'd be real mad. I'd be like, I'm, I can't. Got, nope. I literally want to wear seashells over my nipples and a panty liner. <laughs> it's going to be that hot. I also, heard. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Seashells. Too hot. Too You're not going to wear the the red leather to match that music no, video? absolutely not. But, you know, we're going to spend the weekend in Dallas. That's so fun. They have a Meow Wolf there now. I heard. I, I want to go, but you remember our friend that went to Vegas with us is going. Uh-huh. And he commented in the group and he was like. He doesn't want to go to Dallas no. Meow Wolf. He's like, I didn't like the one in Vegas. It wasn't my It wasn't wait, my wait, wait. thing. He didn't like it? He didn't think what? I'm like, girl, you made us take 92 pictures of you. That's news to me. It was news to me, I too. everyone liked it. I loved I it. I'm, I may end up going to this one by myself. If you've gone to the Dallas it just Wolf, opened. tell us about it. Literally just opened on, like, the 14th. It's fun. Oh, my Samuel's aunt and uncle uh, told me that they went to the one in Vegas. Did I already talk about this? I, I told them they should go. Sure. They'd like it. And they did. They had a good time. It's and really And they're in their neat. 50s. They had a great time. I will definitely be taking Max. And it's not in Dallas. It's in Grapevine, but... You know, it's, all, it's, it's adjacent, you know. but I'll be taking Max. I think it's really fun. Yeah, Meow Wolf is fun. 
So what else? Uh, Shark Week is coming up. Yeah, I talk about that a bit in my wacky. Do you? Kind of. July 23rd. They need a tornado week. Oh. Or like a natural disaster week. They probably have one. It's just not as popular. But that's probably not what I need to watch before we go to the beach in two weeks. Don't do it. I don't get deep enough for a shark to get me first of all. I don't really either. I'm a waiter. I'm a waiter. I'm a nothing below the knee or nothing above the knee. I'll go like waist deepish and I'll kind of sit in the sand, but I'm not swimming. Well, my waist is your knee. <laughs> <laughs> I'll crab walk in the water, no, you know, look makes- for shale. I'm a beachcomber. I like looking at the sand. So. Well, my problem is my kid wants to go and swim like he's in a pool. Mm-hmm. Samuel's a swimmer. Don't makes me nervous. Do that. I want. I don't want to be the drag mom that's standing there mm-hmm. screaming the entire time. But I turn into her. Yeah. Because I will too. I'm predicting that my son will be a dolphin like his father, and I'm going to have to be like, "Do not go that deep. Don't There's get too far." Sharks. S word. Waves. I don't want to scar them. Riptides. Riptides. Thank yeah. you. I, I don't get too far. Mm-hmm. It makes like my hands are sweating, or maybe it's just this fucking heat. It's, but it makes I'm, me nervous. Every Ew. part of my body is sweating. <laughs> so um, this is the two panty day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe three. I was thinking earlier. I'm like, man, all my bras. Usually, w- women we rewear bras. If you're a dude and don't know, you know what I mean. We, usually, but not now. A, we talked about that one day at work. The women, the nurses that I work Ugh. with, are like, "Do you wash your bra? Do you have like like I have like a." A nude color bra. Yeah. And then you have I have to wear with certain shirts. Yeah. And then I have like Same. colored bras. Mm-hmm. But I do have two favorite bras. Mm-hmm. And I like to alternate them and just hang them on my bathroom door. Yeah. I mean, if you're not sweaty, it's not a big deal. It's to me. I mean, no. I think every woman, everyone, I think every woman will rewear a bra before washing, unless you're in this hellhole. No. Which is, I'm washing these bras every damn day. I'm wearing no. two bras a day. Yeah. It's not, it's not getting reworn. Oh, it's bad. This is bad. Anyways, sorry, Jacob from (laughs) Alabama. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.